Hi, I'm Jaslyn. And if I was a hot peach, I think I would just exist. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ellen, and I teach pixies how to wear thongs. The G-string kind, the Jandal kind. No one's sure, because we're international. Let's go. Yay. <laughs> and this is... High expectations. expectations! Yay! We're friends! Friends! <laughs> We're with some special guests today. You've heard them shouted out many times on our show. <laughs> You've heard them do an outro for us. Um, so I'd really like to introduce you to the Indoors Woman. I'm Jen, and according to High Expectations, I know a lot about robots. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Meg, and we are the Rodeo Minnows, according to the Anagram Generator. (laughs) Which I'm imagining people either riding fish in a rodeo, or perhaps just fish wearing cowboy hats. I'm not really sure. Oh Oh my god, fish cowboy hats. Fish cowboy hats. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely pictured that. Little fish, cowboy hats. (laughs) Riding seahorses, maybe? (laughs) Yes! So we're here today to talk about a subject that we always think about when we think about indoors women, which is something about space, something about robots, <laughs> and something about sci-fi. Something, something about aliens. <laughs> and our birthday sewed that nobody listened to. We did a discussion about how for our obsession series this year, we want to do them with a focus on hobbies or obsessions that are traditionally not popular or encouraged. For women to do mm. or they're kind of traditional i feel like yeah, kind of traditionally considered more masculine yeah 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 so what better place to start than sci-fi and space and robots well i was thinking of starting back in the very beginning flashback if you will to young meg <laughs> and i have one older brother so i was always wanting to emulate him as a child so he was into traditionally boyish stuff, space robots, dinosaurs, and I always wanted to tag along and see what he was doing. So that was kind of my introduction into sci-fi. And from there, grew my own interests independently. But I guess I can kind of thank my brother for getting on that track originally. And Star Trek was a big thing in our household. I come from nerdy, trekky parents. So that was sort of my first, very first introduction into the sci-fi realm. I was more of a Star Wars person. I am the oldest in my family. I have a younger brother. But I think I got introduced into science fiction with my friends and with my dad, who always wanted to watch, you know, Back to the Future and Star Wars and stuff. And so I was always really into it. And I always remember we would go camping in our trailer and we would have a TV VCR combo, remember those? And it had like three tapes and it was like one Indiana Jones, one Star, one of the Star Wars movies and one of the Back to the Futures. I'm not even sure which ones of the series they were. So I've seen them all like a hundred times. And that's how I kind of got into it. It's cool. I also had a fascination with Star Trek, mostly Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Voyager because I really liked Captain Janeway. I love Voyager. Me too. And I've seen some of the movies, but I, I've i never been that interested in the like traditional Star Trek crew. I'm always like, new stuff. And I put off watching Star Trek Nemesis for 14 years because <laughs> I didn't want to see Data. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I know, it's so sad. <laughs> yeah, I saw that in theaters and I had that shocking and upsetting experience. <laughs> 
I, I'm not really into Star Trek. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Is it really awkward now? <laughs> Get out. Get out of your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, in terms of science fiction, I, I don't know if I'm like, I would call myself a super science fiction nerd, but my main interests lie in speculative fiction or dystopian. So, which some people consider to be under the realm of science fiction potentially or extended on it it's not kind of what you traditionally associate with science fiction but that's what i'm really into when i was a teenager i'd read 1984 and you know all of your classic clockwork orange all of your classic dystopian books and i'm just obsessed with anything that's set in the future and where it's just really bleak (laughs) pretty much (laughs) and you like robots but i definitely like robots i even tried writing my own as I've said in a previous episode, book about robots. So, yeah, robots. Well, did you guys see the latest Boston Dynamics video with the man battling the robot dog? Just came out, I think, a couple no. days ago or early this week. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. It's pretty entertaining, but also if you're afraid of robots, maybe don't watch it because mm-hmm. I'll give you two guesses as to who wins the contest of strength <laughs> and it might not turn out so well for our race. So fun fact about robots. I learned today that female gendered robots are called gynoids. What? Why? Oh, instead of android. Oh. oh. That makes sense. Because oh. yeah. Andra yeah. is male. Yeah. Oh. That sounds like some sort of condition that we don't want to contract. (laughs) Gynoids. I'm not sure I love that word. Is it derogatory to call them fembots? (laughs) I I think so. (laughs) Yeah, if you're interested in gynoids, look at Wikipedia. There's a huge list of them. I feel like in those dystopian futures, people might be less likely to make fembots slash sexbots if they had to call them gynoids. That might be a little bit. <laughs> yes. That's just too embarrassing to purchase a gynoid. <laughs> it's interesting to think about gendering robots at all. Like, I don't really think of them in general as having genders. I guess most of the ones we encounter in science fiction are usually men. There are yeah. definitely some women, too. Yeah, it's pretty interesting how everyone assumes the Star Wars droids are male like everyone calls r2d2 he and bb8 mm-hmm. he i was really hoping they would call bb8 she actually i think that would have been really fun true and um bb8 really kicks butt especially in that last movie so that would have been pretty cool like a lot of mm-hmm. these like marvel movies that are coming out i like that a lot of the women are actually really getting a part of the action like i just saw black panther mm-hmm. have, you, have you seen black panther yet yes yeah, that's excited. our next episode. Stay tuned. Oh, I'm so excited! <laughs> yeah, we're really excited about it. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> Whenever I watch a Marvel film, there's about four or five different podcast episodes that I can listen to, like <laughs> just dissect it in like a slightly different way. But I always, lo- I always love your take on everything. Obviously, Aww. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I just feel like the women are getting in part of the action, and I think that's a big thing in Star Wars as well talking about like why we think science fiction hasn't traditionally been aimed at women I think it's really a changing world and I think a lot of movie makers are thinking like well we have to appeal to the other 50% of the world and actually get some strong female characters Mm. into our films 
So yeah, it would be very cool if BB-8 was a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Things you see in childhood and like a formative teenage years can really inspire you to have careers. So if there's all this like cool sort of female-centric sci-fi, more women might be inspired to take up STEM classes Mm. in university and things, high schools. I yeah, I agree. I think that science fiction basically takes, you know, mechanisms of things that are happening in society and in everyday life and then puts them in more entertaining circumstances. So you actually want to watch a movie about them. And so we illustrate roles in society with things like aliens and robots and like captains of space travel. And mm. if you don't have those role models in that, then you don't see yourself there. It doesn't appeal to you. And then you keep getting marginalized. And then the same thing happens in real life. If you don't have these STEM role models, either in science fiction or in real life, then you don't see yourself in these roles. Like kids learn their roles in society so young. You Mm. learn really young that like men are the doctors and men are the scientists and women are the teachers. And so we're definitely like put in these boxes really, really young. And so representation can only help. Mm. Were you embarrassed to, like, openly enjoy sci-fi when you were young? I was often called boyish, sometimes by my own parents, sometimes by other people. I actually have a little story about my love for dinosaurs, which I think would kind of go under the umbrella of sci-fi. Jurassic Park, which I saw when I was 10, I loved. And I was usually scared by everything as a child, but for some reason this movie didn't scare me. And I read the book as well as a 10-year-old, which was maybe a little outside my age range. Me too. (laughs) But so that Halloween, I had a Velociraptor costume, and it was the best costume ever. It was a... It was a full head rubber mask and it had rubber claws, these like three fingered rubber claws. And that was the entirety of my costume. And then I wore all black. So I looked like some sort of weird stage technician dinosaur. (laughs) With a dinosaur head. (laughs) But yeah, but almost every single house I went to, I was called a boy or people said to my brother regarding me like oh your little brother's costume is so cute and I remember taking great offense to that and even correcting these adults and saying I'm a girl (laughs) so from a a young age I felt like I had to kind of defend my choices and yeah even at such a young age during childhood the difference there was really obvious about what was supposed to be for girls and what was supposed to be for boys yeah I always felt like I was kind of out of the club like I loved Star Wars I was never ashamed of liking my geeky things that were really for boys or however you want to think about it Mm -hmm. but I felt like I could never be in the club with the boys I was always left out because I was a girl like obviously couldn't be as big of a fan as them and I couldn't really be someone who enjoyed video games and science fiction television and all of these things because I was a girl and so I was just really left out of friend groups that I think I would have been great in, I guess. I would have Mm. made a lot of friends through this, but I ended up not. And I ended up making a lot of friends who are girls who are into these kinds of things because we all felt kind of marginalized and we end up getting together to have our own interests and our own little clubs. I've seen like various complaints about from like women when they were young that if they were playing Star Wars with the neighborhood kids or their brothers, whatever, they were always had to be Leia because mm-hmm. they couldn't possibly be Luke or a Darth Vader or anyone that they deemed to be cool. And also, I think there's a 
there's a difference between Star Wars fandom when you're a kid. I feel like liking Star Wars is more acceptable, whereas if you're like really into Star Trek or really into Doctor Who, that can be seen as being like you're a little bit too nerdy now. <laughs> yeah, there are levels. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I think Doctor Who has changed a lot because now the doctors are younger and they're more like attractive to the younger crowd or now there's a you know, woman playing the doctor role. I think that will inspire a lot more female fans. And that I think that's that's really important, like especially in Doctor Who where obviously that role is for a leader and traditionally the companion I, I can't remember what it is. It's the companion, eh? Yeah, like yeah. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was like their helper. I used to be like, ah, oh, Rose, his helper. And people were like, I've been <laughs> talking about his helper before. <laughs> and I also used to think his name was Doctor Who. Anyway. <laughs> That's a whole other debate. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's really cool to see women in these roles because it also lets women know not just that they can do science or that they can do traditionally masculine occupations but also mm. that they can be leaders which is incredibly mm-hmm. important yeah given like so many politicians and men or yeah. ceos and men and it is a changing world of course but not fast enough yeah and it's amazing how many men were angry about star wars the last jedi having more female characters or just like, angry about yeah. the movie in general yeah, angry, with like. the movie, <laughs> angry that the men didn't get to do that much cool stuff it was the women doing it and they were basically complaining that their childhood had been taken away from them because Star Wars was meant to be theirs. I guess that is really true. And also not just the young women, but the, you know, the Leia and all the older women were actually taking the reins. Mm. (laughs) And the men were essentially ignored or sent off to do kind of pointless missions. (laughs) They're like, can you stop talking now? (laughs) (laughs) Just go away. He really liked the film. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the same thing happened with Ghostbusters that kind of triggered that whole, like, my fandom is in jeopardy, my childhood is being destroyed sort of mentality, like, because women were taking on these roles that were always played by men. And I just Mm. don't think that that's how childhoods work. And I don't think that they can be destroyed retroactively in this way (laughs) by other people having, you know, roles and representation for the first time ever. But that's just me. Unless you invoke science fiction time travel, wherein women literally go back to men's childhoods and ruin them. That That would make for a great novel, eh? (laughs) (laughs) I want to see it, like, done in a really funny way like these women just show up and they're just like the kids are like watching Ghostbusters on TV and they just like run in and turn it off or something or they like replace the feed with something else and that's how they ruin the childhoods they run in and say ignore gender norms and then they run out of the room (laughs) yes I think a lot of this fanboys getting butthurt over their childhood it's kind of like what you were saying Jazz about things becoming more mainstream when they weren't before. It's interesting because it's kind of like a changing of the guard. These things that used to be niche are now mainstream and the people who liked it originally feel like they're kind of being threatened in their ownership Mm. over it. So Mm. I think the more we see sci-fi become mainstream, it kind of goes hand in hand with people being angry about it and feeling territorial about it, which is a little ridiculous. Mm. (laughs) 
Yeah, people always talk about geeks wanting to share their passions with the world, but my experience has always been very different. Like, a lot of people are very protective and construct barriers to entry around their fandoms. Like, okay, you can like it, but you don't like it as much as me, and I'm going to test you on it to see if you're a real (laughs) fan. And that happens to women so much. That's why, like, um, okay, I, I got into Star Wars a lot later in life, but I have seen every single film, which a lot of people can't actually say. I do have an overall understanding of it but I didn't I don't feel like I could get any Star Wars kind of merchandise because forgive me if I'm wrong in thinking this I think that a lot of people would be like oh you're obviously a huge fan and then start like assuming things and I'd be like oh I'm not that huge a fan (laughs) you're like I like toys (laughs) (laughs) but like it wouldn't be a big deal if you had a Finding Nemo toy but I feel like you're saying something if you get a Star Wars toy you know what I mean yeah because you know mega fans are really mega fans Yeah, I feel like there's the difference. Like, you could take a deep dive into one thing and have that be your fandom, and that's totally legit. But you can also like a whole bunch of things to various degrees, and you shouldn't have to defend your choice to do that. And I Mm. just think that that's a problem. Like, I don't like to be quizzed. And personally, when someone comes up to me and starts quizzing me, my mind just goes blank and I forget everything. And so that's not, that doesn't work very well. But yeah, I just think it's so sexist when Mm. like nerdy boys are in there, you know, asking you all the, you know, deep dive questions to test you. (laughs) So at the first San Diego Comic-Con that Jen and I went to together, we were on the floor looking at some figures. These boys came up. I call them boys because they did not seem emotionally mature. And the first question they asked us was, are you here with your boyfriends? Because obviously we couldn't be there of our own volition. And then we were in front of a case with Green Lantern figures. And they literally pointed to a figure and said, who is that? And neither Jen nor I are Green Lantern fans, so we're just like, I don't know. And they shared this look between each other, like, of course, these are fake geek girls. And it, it was really surprising to me, because that's mm-hmm. the first time I'd like experienced such a blatant gatekeeping, but it really does happen. It's crazy. I have experienced it probably more than that, but that was like the first time it was a stranger that came up to talk to us for some reason to try and tell us that we didn't belong. I, thought I think that was it was really, really weird unfair. flirting to me. Maybe because he asked us as we had were on Facebook afterwards. <laughs> we're just like, no, go away. <laughs> I blocked this encounter. I don't remember that at all. But <laughs> oh, and it also made me really mad because we were in a panel a couple hours later, and out of nowhere, I was like, Sinestro. That was Sinestro. I remember literally two hours later. <laughs> There's a documentary series on Netflix about um, childhood toys from the '80s backstories of them so they've done like star wars toys and he-man toys and barbie and what's the he-man one and it was really interesting that they blamed the downfall of the he-man toy franchise on the rise of the she-ra franchise because the boys stopped wanting the he-man toys because their sisters had she-ra toys and they had quote the power as well and so therefore it was now tarnished and it wasn't cool to like the same thing as girls. I like how they're saying, boys are saying like, oh, girls ruin our fun. Mm. It's actually the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you can't join in. So it's yeah. ruining fun all around. And it's yeah. because a group of people became entitled. Yeah. So a bunch of like sexist boys killed like hundreds of millions of dollars of industry in a year because they didn't want to be like their sisters. Oh, wow. Uh. 
that's yeah that's awful i need to watch this documentary and be angry at it i just yeah. think like the patriarchy dictates that these guys have everything that they want from the get-go and then <laughs> when women get a little bit of it even when they're five years old they shut that down it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. As someone who is She-Ra for Halloween in kindergarten, I find that ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so do we have, like, astronomy, astrophysics fans in the house? Well, I've been really bit. into all this SpaceX stuff going on recently. Yeah, it's really cool. It's just so cool to shoot a car into space and be playing David Bowie songs while doing it. <laughs> I've always definitely been a fan of space travel and been really interested in the the concept of space travel, both in fiction and in fact. I was always really obsessed with Sally Ride, the first woman astronaut from the United States, and she had her first mi- first mission, I think, the year I was born. And so I was just really obsessed with her. I did all these reports on her at school, where <laughs> I dressed up as her. <laughs> and apparently she played a lot of tennis, so I brought a tennis racket <laughs> to my report. <laughs> But yeah, I just always thought that was fascinating. And women breaking into that really male-centric area Mm. is always great. And I love when women in fiction are portrayed as space travelers and adventurers as well. Yeah, definitely. It's cool. I was looking at a list today of women NASA pioneers. They're like really important in in their history. And it's really interesting that one of them had to pay her own tuition because men would get it for free. But if she wanted to do it, she had to pay. And she was so determined to get into rocketry that she did it. That's so cool. Mm. That's awesome. Uh, Also really sad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's like the funnels into the space program have always been, you know, pilots. And there are so many barriers to entry against women being pilots, mostly because they couldn't serve in the armed forces for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like really institutionalized barriers to entry there. So I always get excited when we break those down. Yeah, I've always been very fascinated with like stars. I always used to get little star maps and try to spot objects in the sky and I had a little telescope for a while and I would like be out at night trying to see like Jupiter and Saturn and mm-hmm. things. That was so cool to see it with my own eyes. When like told like some other women women I was friends with I was doing this, they was like, Why? And I was like, Because it's interesting. Like, yeah, why not? Right, <laughs> because I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my dad has always been really into astronomy, and he has a pretty nice telescope, and over the years we've bought him special filters, like a sun filter to look at the sun, and actually, yeah, ever since childhood, staying up late to look at meteor showers was sort of a family activity. We'd go out Mm -hmm. in the backyard and huddle up under blankets and have thermoses of hot chocolate, so yeah, my dad's interest has definitely transferred to me a little bit, and where I went to college and where I lived for a while were both places that had observatories and actually light pollution laws so that the city never got too bright at night so that it didn't interfere with the observatory, so I've had a lot of great opportunities to go to these places and do some star watching. It's pretty awesome. Ditto, totally worth the weird orange cast on the city at night with all the like light, special light bulbs that made it kind of hard to see. But it was beautiful uh, when you could go to the observatory and look through the telescopes. That was super awesome. Yeah, I was really disappointed that I missed the eclipse that happened last year, the solar eclipse. Um, well, I mean, I wasn't too disappointed because I got to visit London, which was awesome, but they didn't have that experience there. So I just sort of peeked at the horizon, but there was no way to see it there really it sounded like 
the coolest experience. It was super awesome. Everyone started cheering that I was with. I was out in a field with just hundreds of people and everyone cheered when the eclipse happened and it was awesome. Just make Meg feel terrible. It was the <laughs> best experience of your <laughs> And then it took us like eight hours to get home because the traffic was so terrible. So that was probably the worst part of the experience. But <laughs> being there was awesome. <laughs> I used to, like, at night when I was bored, instead of, like, looking at, you know, memes, I would read astrophysics articles. (laughs) Be really interested in, like, concepts that I'd never heard of before, like, even, like, simple ones that got your Big Bang. But then they're like, well, maybe there's also a big crunch or a big bounce. And (laughs) those things really fascinate me because, like, a big bounce is the universe expanding and then collapsing and then expanding again and collapsing over (laughs) untold billions of years. And that really fascinated me because there's people who reckon who are now searching for evidence of that because if you wipe a chalkboard, you never quite wipe it clean. So they're assuming that if you've had multiple universes in the same space, there might be evidence of that. Hmm. Then I start thinking, well, okay, if there's been other universes, has this universe happened before? Are there other civilizations that have like existed and been gone? And I just get lost in thought and it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we often like talk about like parallel universes eh? mm. like oh, like oh there are universes out there but we're still with our exes or yeah. like where we're dying <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the other thing right because it's so egocentric of us to think that we're the only universe because everything else has got multiples so yeah. we're just one universe amongst many and we could be in the same un- other universes or it could be completely different universes mm. you don't know I think that's a pretty comforting idea to assume that some of you continues on somewhere else in another plane, maybe, or in another existence. I actually really like that idea and that approach to how our universe exists. Do you have any books or documentaries on that subject or anything like that that you would like, that you really love that like resonated with you about those ideas or anything like that? I guess the the more like accessible ones these days are the Cosmos series. Mm. Whether it's the new one with Neil deGrasse Tyson or... Mm -hmm original one with Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan, exactly. Yeah, they're more like out there theories. Don't get covered in the mainstream sort of documentaries too much, but you can look up like um, YouTube videos for like Big Bounce, Big Crunch, and you'll find explanations. Or just look up, you know, through Google, find like various astrophysics blogs discussing them. In terms of parallel universes and media, all I can think of is like Rick and Morty. Yeah. They're doing a lot yeah. of cartoons. Like mm. Family Guy, Rick and Woody, and Futurama. Yeah. I um, love the Futurama episode where they go through the box. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that one's so oh, good. Yeah. That's my, one of my favorite episodes. I maintain that Rick and Morty is like one of the greatest science fiction shows on television right now. Oh, they do I? such a good job. It's not just a fun cartoony thing. It's it's I would say it's like Doctor Who ish only a lot dirtier. <laughs> I just hope that there's not a ver- another version of me, like, buried, you know, in my front yard somewhere. <laughs> oh, that was so traumatizing. I know um, some of those episodes kill me. I, like, end up crying, and I'm like, oh, God, what did you just do to me, Rick and Morty, random television show? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really gets you, like, right there. Mm-hmm. Right? It makes for great storytelling if you could just tell, like, heaps of different stories or have little glimpses, especially in, like, that cartoon format, I think. Mm-hmm. So, so those episodes are really great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really quite high in concept sometimes, presented in a really sort of fun, dirty way that are educating people about 
multiverse and portals and things that intense thought sort of experiments that they're being educated and learnt without even realizing it and I think that's great. And it's a good Having path. to think when watching a cartoon? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rick and Morty at school. You, d- you didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, it's a good pathway to like other science fiction, too, that mm. uh, are along the same lines and that are super awesome and thoughtful. Maybe not as dirty. Maybe not as funny, but pretty awesome. So do, we, do we have some sci-fi to recommend? How about I, I was thinking like to narrow it down like ones where it has female protagonists yeah. or maybe even aimed at women. If that exists, I'm all genders. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of my one of my favorites is Stargate SG One. It's just always been a favorite, and just so you know, there's tons of seasons, and I know this, but no one's holding a gun to your head and saying you have to watch them all if you started out. But Samantha Carter is one of the main characters, and she's in the Air Force. She's a leader. She's a super awesome woman. She's a scientist. She's an astrophysicist, actually. And she is also just this really well-rounded, awesome character that's tough, but also has a lot of depth to her. And I just think she's like one of my science fiction role models, so I always recommend dipping your toe into Stargate. I think I would recommend the Wool trilogy, that's W-O-L-L, like Sheep's Wool, written by Hugh Howie. And so this is a three-book series, and it's not always led by female protagonists, but one of the books definitely has a female lead. And I think you would like it, Ellen, because it's dystopian but it's also sci-fi and it started out serialized from a short story. It's really compelling and there's lots of twists, so I don't want to say too much about it, but essentially there are these silos where people have to live for unknown reasons and things unfold from there. And I highly recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) Unknown reasons, what are they? (laughs) I'm actually reading Harry Potter for the first time ever. Yay! Yay! (laughs) I'm on the fourth book and I was one of those people that was like, it's too popular, I don't want to read it. And then it just kind of got later and later in my life and I was like, "I I just never read it. And people were like, I can't believe you never read it. So I was like, it's actually becoming kind of weird now. So I've started reading it and I'm making a podcast with my boyfriend about it. So that's awesome. I have to get through all of Harry Potter before I can read something new, Mm. but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's really interesting when you start getting into these like fandom things you put off because you start to notice all around you are references to it that you you were like ignorant Mm -hmm. to. Yeah, like my mind was you know, open, don't say what yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is what all the fuss is about. <laughs> and it's so great to be able to appreciate the new ones because I'm not so tied up in the original. I think I can appreciate the new ones in a way that other people can't, maybe, or some people can't. Mm. Yeah. You haven't just been watching those over and over and over again for your entire life, and then you're like, finally, <laughs> something else. <laughs> um, some quite accessible female-led sci-fi is... The movie Arrival. Yeah, I was actually going to say that because I... Really good movie. Such a good movie. (laughs) Beautiful. And I'm not sure if it counts as sci-fi, but Gravity. Yeah, definitely. Well, it counts as science fiction definitely because all those objects in space are not close enough to each other for her to have actually done that. So Hmm. definitely science fiction. (laughs) But I love it. And it is more mainstream now, but Star Trek Discovery, the new show, Mm -hmm. has really very great female characters in it and do really cool stuff and star trek voyager as you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. that's a great 
female-led Star Trek for sure. Yeah. Is it something you could could watch um, not having watched any Star Trek? I think so because it's set before any other Star Trek's ever happened. Oh, cool. Okay. Except for one Star Trek series. Don't write in and correct me. (laughs) But no one cares about that one. (laughs) Care about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's set in the early days, and yeah, there's a lot of great action and characters and ass kicking. Um, One I really loved when I was a kid uh, that's coming out as a movie pretty soon is A Wrinkle in Time. And that's a female-led story. And it's awesome. And it's also very accessible if if you haven't been really into sci-fi before because it's written for kids. So love Mm. it. Love Wrinkle in Time. That that deals with some really great physics concepts and stuff. And Mm -hmm. It's super smart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would recommend Interstellar too, even though the daughter character isn't necessarily the main main character. She still has a pretty pivotal role, and I just think it's such a great sci-fi movie in general that I would highly recommend that one too. Mm, good one. And then Hathaway's on that too. <laughs> I was just gonna give a shout out to um, Rogue One because we've already talked about all of the yeah. other Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. but Rogue One is very yeah. strong female character. I think that some people miss it, thinking it's not part of. The original, but it's still, as a standalone film, really, really good. I think so, too. And I think it's really interesting to have that kind of dovetail into A New Hope at the very end. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just really nice. <laughs> it's just so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to go around and say our favorite robots? Yes. My favorite robot is the television version robot of Marvin, the paranoid android. Oh. <laughs> um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy from the 1980s series. It's a really like classic, traditional, weirdly humanoid, but not at all humanoid at all robot. And he's very amusingly depressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Marvin the Paranoid Android. He's one of my favorite literary characters. <laughs> my favorite robot is... <laughs> I have a lot of favorite robots. This is really hard. <laughs> I'd have to go with Data. Because I just love Data so much, I think he's the best character in all of Star Trek. So, Data. I guess I would say my favorite robot is Johnny Five from the movie Short Circuit. Because that was one of the first robot movies I watched and loved. And it's one of those very friendly, hey, your robot's your pal type of robots. (laughs) But that's a good introduction for a kid. So, Johnny Five. He is so cute. I love Johnny Five. (laughs) think of so many robots but i don't know which one's my favorite i don't know why not just like stay on trend and just say ada from alex and ada that graphic novel series because it's quite a nice love story oh i love that see i'm familiar with everyone's robots unsurprisingly (laughs) (laughs) alex and ada is a great series yeah and also shout out to the first female robot i was ever aware of the maid from the Jetsons. I was gonna give her a shout out too. Aww. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. What's her name? Alice. Is it Alice? Rosie. 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 Shout out to Rosie. Shout out to Rosie. Everyone's favorite gynoid. <laughs> uh, it's so unpleasant. It's such an unpleasant word. <laughs> Do you want to tell our listeners about your show? Sure. So our show is a pop culture podcast where two geeky best friends talk pop culture and have a lot of fun. And we usually pick a topic and dissect it and bring in a lot of references and fun stuff for you guys to watch, read, listen to, etc. And Meg, what's it really about? 
It's really about drinking and sharing <laughs> what we're drinking. <laughs> oh, and who you would have sex with, you know, in movies and TV shows, basically. Yeah, if you want to know which of the Avengers we totally hook up with, given the chance, tune in. <laughs> or which feel- Martin Freeman character is the sexiest. We've done that one, too. <laughs> well, before we totally wrap up, thank you so much for having us. Yes! We've been longtime listeners and fans. And this has been so much fun wow. to be a part of your show. It's great to have you. I agree. I had a lot of fun. Hi, this is Vanessa. And Carolyn. From Not Another Another X-Files Podcast Podcast. Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. If you have any comments or questions, please send an email to highexpectationspodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on a post. Find on Facebook and Instagram at highexpectationspodcast or on Twitter at highexpodcast. And you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Have a great week. Have a great week. I'm so I nervous. Know. I don't usually get this nervous. <laughs> it's because it's not our own like safe little space of our podcast. It's different. <laughs> You're like, it's therapy. It's my therapy. It's my dog slideshow time. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> I need it. <laughs>